Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, Kentucky football improves to 2-0 on the year, 1-0 in SEC play. Mark Stoops is the winningest coach in Kentucky football history. Kentucky beats Florida for the second time or consecutive seasons. First time that's happened since 1977, 1978. There's a lot of notes, a lot of positives. Kentucky probably should be a top 10 team when the AP poll releases on Monday. Just a huge night in the swamp. Yeah, I've been a little under the weather the last few days, so we didn't do a prediction episode, but I was going to pick Kentucky 26 to 16 in this one. I'm just saying I was going to pick the Cats. <laughs> win by 10. No, I don't know what I, I probably would have picked Kentucky to win. I, I felt pretty good about it all week, really. Uh, at least I didn't really have the nervousness that you know typically might have going into the swamp I just felt different and uh still had those bad memories pop up some throughout the game tonight but I don't where do we start where do, let's start with Stoops. let's just start with the jobbies let's just start with him because that to me I mean it's in the you know you get so week to week during the season that I mean we want to be talking about this game probably you know two weeks from now but in the grand scheme of things, a team that Kentucky could not beat for so many years, and then Stoops had his own just absolute heartbreakers against Florida to move into the top spot on Kentucky's wins li- uh, all-time uh, coaching wins list by pitching a shutout in the second half in the swamp. I mean, that's got to yeah. be awesome for him. Yeah, not 19 unanswered points from the, the moment that Colin Goodfellow had to kick that ball through the back of the end zone that led to the safety to make it 16 to seven. But I thought the adjustments that Kentucky made at the half, you know, cleaning up some of the protection issues, they started moving dudes with that offensive line. Cavassier smoke had a really good second half, ended up getting to 80 yards on the ground there on 14 carries. I thought the second half adjustments and what Kentucky did and going back and establishing that run game, cleaning some things up. I thought that was a massive adjustment. Yeah. I mean, I felt – I don't know it's easy to sit here and say now, but, like, the Anthony Richardson and the Florida Love Fest was ridiculous, like, over the last week. Utah's a solid team. I mean, I think we talked about them earlier in the week, uh, maybe Tuesday or so. It was a good win. Like, I'm not going to talk bad about Florida's win over Utah, especially the first game under head coach. It was a great win. But, like, Dennis Dodd from CBS had – uh, Anthony Richardson has his best player in the country right now. And, like, this dude, I think – what they say tonight, Sean, was his third start of his career. Yeah. Like, what in the world were, like, were these takes? It was ridiculous. And uh, and then it flipped the script there in the second half. Oh, it's his third start. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like, I mean, it was protecting them big time there. Uh, I mean, Brad White and Mark Stoops had him in hell tonight, like, pretty much. 14 of 35, two interceptions. Uh, obviously, the, the very costly pick six that like Keedron Smith uh, – I mean, Sean, I don't know where you were watching the game, but I was sitting around the couch, and as soon as he threw that ball, it was like that's taken back to the house. I mean, a terrible read. Uh, obviously, well, there were some throws that were there were some throws that were near interceptions yeah. up until that point for Kentucky. I, I, you had a feeling that he was going to throw one to someone. Yeah, and I mean the the fact that Kentucky was able to take it to the house. He also put it on the ground once. I think uh, JJ Weaver got to him in the backfield. He picked it up and actually ran it for a positive gain. But it was a very sloppy game. I mean, he only completed forty percent of his passes, uh, one hundred and forty three yards passing. I want to say he only threw for like one sixty eight last week. So it's not even like he threw the ball well against Utah. He just ran for three touchdowns. 
but overall, again, another game like you just got to come to appreciate it, I guess, would be a way I would use because Florida still outgained Kentucky. Uh, they did, yeah. Still, excuse me, uh, still got up to uh, 70 rushing yards. What is it? You can have like two yards rushing at halftime. Uh, they were, yeah, I think they were actually minus two. Minus, okay. So, well, I know that, that opening drive there, that, that first drive where they started getting the ground game yes. going, they went from minus two to 47. Yeah. So, Smoke, I thought, had a terrible first half. They had one play yeah. that looked like he had a ton of room. He had to be one guy. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to probably be coughing a little bit throughout this, but I'm fighting through here at uh, 1130 on a Saturday night after the big one. Um, he got tripped up on, you know, he had like one guy to beat to have a pretty big game. But came out in the second half and then give credit to the offensive line, started getting some push. I thought Lavelle Wright had some pretty hard nose runs. He didn't have a ton of space to operate with, but took care of the football. Uh, Smoke ended up with a pretty nice stat line, though, really. 14 uh, did. for 80. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big time effort from him, especially in the second half. I, I think you can go down the list here and name off a lot of guys. I mean, the the play that Deion Walker made there, the, the stuff on, on the run there in the second half, uh, Carrington Valentine, a guy that, you know, catches a lot of heat, especially in the past, and had a huge pass breakup there uh, late in the game. Uh, you had you mentioned Keaton Smith's pick six. I mean, the Jordan Wright, the interception, some more Incredible. plays there defensively. Getting him back was huge. J.J. Weaver making plays. I mean, Kentucky showed up. Jock West Jones always there making a play like Kentucky. This was a total team effort. What about the use early in the games, early in the game with the tight ends, Derek, and spreading the ball around to, to multiple tight ends there? I thought Scangarello had called an excellent game. He did. Yeah, you mentioned the tight ends. Keaton Upshaw resurfaced tonight. Yeah. Uh, two catches for 34 yards. Jordan Dingle, two catches, 29 yards. And then Brendan Bates had a catch for 11 yards. So, what's that? That's five catches for uh, 60, or, uh, 74 yards from those yep. guys. Um, Dane Keith's touchdown. We haven't even huge. talked about that yet. I mean, there's a lot of things. Uh, a, a tremendous play from a freshman wide receiver in that moment. Um, Will put it where he needed to. And, and <coughs> excuse me, that body control from Dane to go up and get that and, and bring it in a really contested, tough catch. I mean, he actually didn't have a catch after that, I don't think. But uh, I actually might have one more catch after that. Yep. A tremendous play from a freshman in the swamp. Gave me some, uh, not in the same way, but – I was thinking I had to go look it up because Garrett Johnson, I was like, who was the last freshman in their first SEC game to have a game like this? And Garrett Johnson went off in the swamp back in 2014. Uh, but Dane, he came down with Kentucky's only um, touchdown reception of the night. They only scored one other on the Will Levis uh, rush. And, well, of course, the, the pick six. But offensively, they only had two touchdowns. But, uh, Sean, I, do, I want to mention one more guy who I thought showed up huge tonight on the third down, Chauncey Magwood. Yeah. Had a uh, 25 yard reception on a on a third down. He ended up missing a block on the same drive that probably would have gone for a huge game, Tavian Robinson. So they'll get that cleaned up. But in terms of a guy who, you know, one of the emphasis I would have talked about had we had a pregame episode would have been Will Levis on third down. And UK wasn't great, uh, only four or thirteen, but Will had a couple big throws. And for Magwood to be one of those guys who came up, I mean, caught a touchdown pass last week. Maybe he's a guy that. I didn't – I mean, I thought he'd be in the rotation this year, but he's showing up in some pretty big moments so far early in the season. He has, and I'm trying to remember the play last week 
where the ball was deflected, and then Kentucky ended up making a catch on it. Who was yeah. it caught that ball? Uh, that was Demarcus week. Harris last week. So it was flipped this week. It was Demarcus Harris yes. off his hands and Magwood, <laughs> and Magwood caught the ball. So, no, Kentucky, the, I, I thought that that was one of the first breaks, you know, to kind of go Kentucky's way there, and that was a big play in itself. And, and Kentucky's got a collection of talent at wide receiver that, that's making plays, and uh, those guys are just going to keep getting better. When, when you look up and, you know, Barry and Brown wasn't, an impact tonight. Tavion Robinson wasn't a huge impact tonight. And Kentucky still gets a 10-point win in the swamp. And you mentioned that you were going to pick Kentucky 26 to 16. I, I think that I said on our preseason <laughs> uh, predictions episode, <laughs> I think that I think that I, I I'm pretty sure that I said that I, I picked Kentucky by 10 on our preseason episode back in July. And I couldn't really tell you why. I just felt I was like, you know, yeah. this just feels like a, a game and a series that Kentucky's just shifted momentum, winning three of five. We know what this win does for Kentucky the last two times it's happened. What does it do for Kentucky now? If we're going to put all this weight into Florida's win versus Utah, if that's how we view Utah. So what happens after this game, Derek? Does the perception of Florida change or does the perception of Kentucky change? Or is it a little bit of both? Uh, I'm going to say the critics or the people are going to focus more on Anthony Richardson more than they're going to give credit to Kentucky. I would almost That's be certain that the, his performance will be discussed much more. Um, I think for Kentucky, what you're looking at now is, you know, as long as they don't, I mean, it would take a, a major letdown to lose to Youngstown state next week. But if the, speculation or reports on Chris Rodriguez are accurate that it will be no more than a three to four game suspension. You're kind of viewing that as the last tough game that you weren't going to have Chris. And yeah. if you get a fresh Chris Rodriguez going down to Ole Miss, like I felt like Kentucky needed to win one of these road games, either Ole Miss or at Florida. And I felt like Ole Miss might be an easier game. Uh, maybe I don't know if that'll prove to be true or not. We'll see. I mean, I, I think you'd be feeling pretty good, man. Like, this opened the door for him the last few years. It's a big SEC East win. And, again, it's still early in the season, so I don't want to, like, go overboard with some of these reactions. But Missouri looked awful. They got destroyed by Kansas State. South Carolina played a pretty good team in Arkansas uh, on the road. I didn't expect them to win, but they didn't really look all that great either. They, they, had, they had their moments, but um, certainly at home, a game I think you, you would expect Kentucky to win. And then, of course, Vanderbilt, still Vanderbilt, uh, an improved team, I think. Might even win an SEC game this year. But – I mean, Tennessee picked up a huge win on the road at Pitt, and I feel like it's kind of what we thought going into the year, right? Like, well, we're just great, and then will it be Kentucky or Tennessee behind them? And I think through two weeks, it's kind of held serve. Kentucky's highest ranking in the AP poll and has been what? I think it was you know like that seven? I mean, like, I don't – I think, like – I think seventh. Was it the South Carolina road trip that year in 2007, or was it – after they beat LSU. I don't remember, but that's the highest I remember it ever been. I think it was so. So I'm going to, I'm going to call it Kentucky will be higher than seventh when they travel to Ole Miss here, here in a few weeks. I, I guess you'll figure out what you were talking about, what the narrative would be with Florida or Kentucky and all that stuff. Like you'll probably find out by the voters yep. because they, they were quick to ground Florida's ass after, uh, they were. So, it, so, I mean, if, if Florida's sitting at 12 right now, uh, you've had obviously Texas A&M has lost, Notre Dame has lost. I mean, Kentucky, if, 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 they, if that's how we view Utah, like if that's what the voters thought of Utah, dropping them a few spots there, moving Florida all the way up to 12th, 
then I think that Kentucky has to be at least 11, I would say, on Monday. And then you just kind of let the movement happen throughout college football. I mean, this is a this is a team that could be sitting pretty here with four wins in a couple of weeks and traveling to Ole Miss for another monster SEC matchup where they can do something that they haven't done in a long time, which is win an SEC West road game. I yeah, mean, this is, uh, there's a lot to play for. for the, like, you know that this this team's coming back to Lexington tonight, feeling really good about where it's at. Mark Stoops, is, they're going to get a lot of love on the SEC network this week. You know, Paul Feinbaum, a lot of people, Roman Harper, all those guys that were talking about Kentucky being soft, and Kentucky was anything but that tonight in the Swamp. I just I think it's a massive win, another huge step for the program. Think of this. 12 and 26 is what Mark Stoops was through two games in 2016. I tweeted this a moment ago. I would not have believed you if you'd have told me that on September 10th, 2022, that Mark Stoops would be the all-time winningest coach in Kentucky football history. I would have doubted it even more, Derek, if you'd have told me that it would have happened in the swamp. And here we are, six years later, he's got 61 wins. Kentucky is a solidified top 15 football program right now one of the better programs in the SEC, especially in the SEC East, who would have thought this? No, I mean, I can remember sitting in the uh, press box at New Mexico State game, and I was like, man, like, I was legitimately like wondering who Kentucky might hire because uh, it was awful. Like, it was just – it felt hopeless. Yeah, but New Mexico State was a really bad team. Uh, I think they were still in the whack back then, so they were at least affiliated with the conference. They're actually independent now. But – the defense, which was supposed to be Stoops' baby back then, it was just had nothing, couldn't stop anybody. And lo and behold, that's the game Benny Snell comes onto the scene. And, you know, as they say, the rest is kind of history. Has Stoops been perfect at Kentucky? No. I'd like to have seen a few more wins over the Vols. Honestly, and I tweeted this, and I mean it. Like, Florida is lucky to have a winning record against Stoops. I can 14, 17, 19. Kentucky probably should have won all those games. And – what would that have put out? Six wins, six and four, most likely, right? I think because he's played them yeah. 10 times now. So, I mean, it's been a tremendous turnaround. And the thing, too, that I feel like a lot of the, the, the media coverage from national and even SEC media who, who cover college football, like, I felt like they were missing the point a bit on Kentucky by labeling this as, like, the year that if Kentucky was going to win the SEC, they had to do it now because they just signed the best class in school history. And you saw those guys show up tonight. Some of them, Deion Walker had a huge third down stop. Uh, yeah. Alex Safari has been in the mix the last two weeks. Uh, I'm probably forgetting other people, but, and it's not to say that uh, my thing is like, why, why is this year anymore? It's because people know Will Levis's name. Is it because they know Chris Rodriguez? I don't know, but like this team's not perfect, but think of how many young guys are there. Like the, look at the offensive line. That's probably a group that you would hope by the end of the year is playing much better because they're going to well, jump more. And three or what, three or four of those guys are going to be back most likely next year. Well, and and I, and I actually so the second half was very encouraging to me, and and I think and and a lot of I mean the offensive line has has been an issue through at least the first six quarters of the season, but there were some issues tonight that weren't the offensive line. It was just pass protection from your running backs. I know Lavelle Wright got got blew up there on a, on a play early that led to the Kentucky turnover. So there was some protection issues across the board, but I I'm starting, I saw some stuff in the second half tonight that it wasn't 
just to me, it's not that they're young. I just think it was lack of experience for some guys. Uh, I think that by the time they get to that game at Ole Miss, I think they're going to have some of the issues worked out. And I credit to Zach Yenzer. I think they made great adjustments there at the half and in the second half. I thought they looked a lot better. And I, I'm not as worried about the offensive line now as I was going into half. Like, I, I feel like the second half, they started pushing some guys around. They started being physical. Kentucky got going on the ground. An area that if we had, if you had told me this going into the game, I, the, my biggest concern was if Kentucky has a lead late in the swamp, that's where Chris Rodriguez would have made his biggest impact. They didn't have him, and they still were able to close the game out. I know they missed the field goal there in the fourth, and then they end up, uh, Matt Ruffalo ended up putting the, the second one there through and they end up winning by 10. Hear me out on this, though. I was thinking tonight. Obviously, Louisville's the hated rival. Kentucky fans also hate Tennessee when you're talking rivals. This is Kentucky's best rivalry on the schedule right now. And I think because now that they're winning games in this series, but it's also how competitive this series has been under Mark Stoops. I think this is, to me, the, the best rivalry on the schedule. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, that's an interesting take. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Um if if we're talking competitiveness, hey, how much that, do you, to me that's a rivalry. I agree. How much do you think the spot on the schedule plays a role into that? Because it feels like a lot of years it's like one of their first big games too. I think that that certainly helps. I think it's the first one that fans really get fired up about and excited about. Like, I mean, Kentucky football fans were excited last week that it was football season, but I, I felt like this was the week where everybody was like, "All right, now this is really football season." It's SEC. It's Kentucky, Florida. And I think Kentucky fans are kind of enjoying the success against the Gators. And, and I think that that certainly has helped. Last year, the game was in October. It had that big buzz and feel to it. And uh, I just think that this is going to be one that, you know, this series, it's going to keep going on and on here. And I, I think it's going to be a competitive one as you continue moving forward. I, th I think it moves into significant rivalry status, not only on Kentucky's side, but I think it's starting to move on in Florida's side as well. I mean, that's three times in five years that Florida yeah. fans have gone home probably thinking what the hell just happened. But you're no longer surprised that Kentucky's beating Florida. Like, that's what has solidified it as an actual rivalry. And, and to me, that's Kentucky's rival on the SEC East right now. That It should, it should be Tennessee, too, but they got to start beating Tennessee more often than what they have been. Yeah, I think uh, you're talking about legitimizing, like, doing those things. Like, you're right. Like, Florida – you know what a lot of the things I saw when I was like kind of scanning their message board that was like Dan Mullen's giving these boys way too much confidence at Kentucky. And like, it's true. Like he was the only coach, you know, in 30 something years that I'd lost at Kentucky, but now like and it was building though before that, wasn't it? They just, they couldn't cash in. 
Oh, I mean, they should have beaten Muschamp and they should have beaten McElwain. Like, there were yeah. two Florida teams, I think, that went four and eight that beat Kentucky last second. Look, I mean, that, that streak had no business getting to the number that it did. Like, you could go back 15 years and it had no business being what it was. Hey, it don't was get just me wrong. A, I mean, there were some ass beatings in there. Like, I mean, obviously, the there were. was before my time, but even Urban, like, that was a, I mean, you remember 08 with Rich Brooks? Like, just oh, I was losing a shit I, on uh, Steve Wartmeyer. <laughs> Like, yeah, I was, I mean, that was bad. I was sitting there. I was sitting there the the final time that Tebow came to Lexington, and it was already like thirty something to nothing with yeah. three minutes left in the first quarter. And I was like, shit. I was like, I might as well just get in the car and go back home. I'd be there before the game's over. I mean, I think if you're like Florida, I don't know. I think losing in Kentucky, like for these like big football schools, man, it like breaks them whenever they lose to Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, so I happened at the LSU last year. Like, I think that was probably going to be Orgeron's fate regardless. But that, again, that solidified it. Like, oh, well, you lost to Kentucky, so now you got to go. Um, every coach that's lost to Kentucky at Tennessee has gotten fired, right? I mean, I think Dooley yeah. may have one more year after. Uh, but Jones well, and both got fired. Uh, and all that positivity one? around Billy Napier in the program, you know, just uh, what? seven days ago after that win versus Utah. I mean, they've been the national talk. Oh, yeah. This week. And then it was a perfect now, spot, and it was a perfect spot for Kentucky to be in because they've played that was. so well. It was. It, it, it Now, let's say let's say Florida had lost to Utah, and let's say they lost to them by touchdown 10 points. And then you probably could have seen Kentucky be the betting favorite going into this game. Then Rowan Harper wouldn't have been – saying Kentucky was soft and then you wouldn't have had all the uh, the other things that was being said and all the you know kind of the bulletin board material that was given to Mark Stoops going into this season Kentucky did not have a chip on its shoulder they were getting a lot of you know positive love and stuff from national media they were in both polls to open the season a position that Kentucky hadn't been in the best thing that ever happened to this team was Florida doing what it did to Utah getting the positive and the, all the stuff said about them in the media, jumping 19 spots in the AP poll, going ahead of Kentucky, Kentucky not moving. I know Miami, Ohio is not a huge win, but then opening as a, almost a touchdown underdog on the road in Gainesville, being called soft, that put the chip back on Kentucky's shoulder. Being without Chris Rodriguez, all those things, I think, played in Kentucky's favor. And Kentucky got to go back to a role where it was familiar and where it feels comfortable. Now that changes some. As you go throughout the next few weeks, I could see Kentucky being a favorite on the road at Ole Miss here in a few weeks. You know, there were some just some really like bad analysis I thought from college football people looking at this game. They were just like, "Oh, Kentucky rushed for fifty yards against uh, Miami, Ohio." Well, that's they're not going to win, you know. And that was wasn't that simple, huh? I mean, it just I don't know. I felt I felt better about it, I guess, than what the national people did. And uh I mean it took a big play from Kedron Smith there, obviously, to to kind of give him out get him out front and and help him out. But I mean I'm trying and to they, think is there, any, is there anyone else we need to give credit to? I mean, Brad White, I mean, I know we mentioned him a little bit. Like you're looking at so second half stats for Florida. Um 91 yards obviously they didn't score but 91 yards they averaged two and a half yards per rush only had 32 rushing yards overall uh one interception on eight of 18 passing for 59 yards and went for it three times on fourth down uh converted once and i think that was on the very last drive and it was uh 
So, I mean, they were over two on the ones that really mattered. Um, and they only average, they averaged less than three yards per play in the second half. I mean, just a terrific job. Um, well, and then for Kentucky, too, let's see how many times Kentucky only threw it nine times in the second half. So they didn't really have to, to do much. I mean, you again, Will Levis started off great. I believe he started like nine for 10 for like 148 yeah. yards. Uh, didn't really have to throw it a whole lot there afterwards and still finished with 202 passing yards. So for him, 87 yards last year on seven to 17, he makes a jump this year, has that big throw. Um, but they did enough. And that's the thing about Kentucky. Like we know it's not always going to be sexy, but they're going to find a way and they play team football and two of the three phases of that I thought were good enough. Defense, certainly offense, I thought did enough. Special teams was a, was a big letdown and, Sean, we've seen a lot of times that cost teams in the SEC on the road. So to me, that speaks even more maybe about the resilience of this team because you give up two points basically on a bad snap. You give up one point on a bad snap or a a snap that wasn't great, maybe could have been held a little better. But again, like overall, it wasn't very clean. So you, you lose that on an extra point there. Florida's only touchdown. You spot them really good field position with the, with the turnover, like, or Florida might not even – they might not even made it to the end zone if it hadn't been for that play. Yeah. So, really odd because the special teams are so good the week before. Uh, so, well, who knows? Uh, last year it was – last year it was dodging the the turnover margin, right? Like, that was the storyline. Yes. Like, how, how was Kentucky 4-0 with the one of the worst turnover margins in, in, you know, college football? Well, tonight special teams play was was horrible. And then for the entire first half, Pass protection wasn't good. Like, and Kentucky was at a spot down 16 to seven. It felt like danger zone because you, you could kind of feel like, okay, you're, you're on the road here. There's 90,000 people. Uh, your offensive line's not playing well. Your quarterback's getting crushed. You have no run game. In steps Jordan Wright with an unbelievable defensive play that shifted momentum. And that's what to me really sparked Kentucky. But you, you didn't have any sense of panic throughout the Kentucky sideline. I don't know what fans were feeling, but it kind of felt like it was teetering there for a bit. But then you have guys make plays, like Jordan Wright stepping up and making a play, sets Kentucky up, they get in the end zone, and then you look up and it's 16, 13 at the half, and then the next thing you know, it's it's all Kentucky from there. I just – I didn't feel like there was any sense of panic. I, when you look at Mark Stoops and everything on the sidelines, it, it was, you know, business as usual. They were just sticking to what their game plan was. They made those adjustments. And the next thing you know, Kentucky had all the momentum in the second half. Kedron Smith, Florida's driving, and he gets the pick six. Uh, I mean, I give the defense an A. I think it's an A plus, uh, honestly. I mean, Florida broke. What's their longest run? They had that forty yard run. Montreal Johnson in the first half got loose. Etn had a fifteen yard run, but in general, like it felt like they were, you know, you felt good you know, about Kentucky stopping the ground game. And Richardson, you know, nothing. Um, did he get sacked once? One sack. I don't remember it. Uh, but, I mean, his running ability was something you really had to key in on, and, and they had a great plan for him. Uh, I mean, again, like you can't the, – the one negative thing, <clears throat> negative in the sense that it's probably going to cost the kid a season, Jalen Geiger – suffered a, a very bad leg injury. Looking yeah. I mean, he kind of knew right from the start that it was 
bad, and it's unfortunate because it came on a you know a blindside block. I'm not saying the kid from Florida. You know, I, don't, I don't think his intent was to take Geiger out for the season, but it, it is unfortunate that it happened on a you know an illegal play. Um, so thoughts out to Jalen because he's a player I like a whole lot, and he was really he took over a starting role at the end of last season, but this was kind of his you know chance to come out and play a full year and uh unfortunately for him it looks like it's going to be cut short but weaver uh led the team in tackles and again he was another guy that florida fans had a lot of fun with because he's always kind of talking about florida uh i had those kyle pitts comments a few years ago <laughs> and then this year i don't think it was anything bad but he said something about like, i don't know i don't want to take this out of context i think he said something about not being too worried about richardson and fans being fans took that to uh, use that as motivation, but Weaver came out, uh, backed it up. Yeah. Backed it up. Played great. Um, Jaquez Jones, I thought had an excellent game as well. And how about this, Sean? I didn't even really realize this as it was going on, but in terms of just the numbers, Jordan Lovett, who replaced Geiger, he comes in tied for second with seven tackles. Yeah. And, and another defensive note too, after not playing last week, uh, it was good to see Trevin Wallace out there. Yes, good point. On the field. So I, th- I thought that was uh, another positive thing to see, is that especially as the season progresses and goes along, he's, he's certainly going to be making plays. But getting Jordan right back opposite J.J. Weaver there, uh, I thought that was big as well. Uh, so Kentucky's defense, Brad White, I think you got to give the game ball there. You know, Will Levis answered the bell. Uh, that throw that he made the key there in the first half, it, it kind of – I was thinking once they got to that spot on the field, they've been doing a lot of stuff underneath. They've been, you know, hitting plays with the tight ends, not really taking chances downfield. I was like, okay, it was this area of the field here four years ago where Terry Wilson hit Lynn Bowden with a with a deep ball. So I, I thought Kentucky was getting close to taking a shot. They did. And uh, how about it? In-state kid, Dane Key, he, he smacks the water balls together just like Cash Daniel did a few years <laughs> ago. So maybe that's a tradition that's starting up now. Uh, when Kentucky wins in Gainesville, a Kentucky kid does it. So uh, a lot of cool things tonight. It's going to be a good week. Uh, maybe we can get to a mailbag this week since we didn't get to to do one uh, near the end of the week last week. I feel like maybe Youngstown State's the perfect week to kind of maybe answer some questions and uh, and get into all that. But Kentucky's 2-0, 1-0 in the SEC. Uh, the SEC East, I know Tennessee picked up a win in overtime versus Pittsburgh. I know Alabama survived that scare versus Texas. What are your thoughts on the SEC and how it looks right now? Is, is Georgia the new number one team in the country, or does Alabama State hold serve there? Uh, I mean, I think Alabama just finding a way to win. I, I don't know that it really matters at this point where you put those teams. Uh, we all expect they'll probably get their chance to play in Atlanta. I'm fine with Alabama State at number one. Um, I mean, sheesh, A&M, that was bad. Uh, yeah, very bad. Uh I, mean, I thought Tennessee, that was a tough win. I mean, Pittsburgh, that's turned into a really good home environment up there. I, I was really impressed watching them play West Virginia, just kind of how jazzed up everybody was there. Um, granted, I mean, Pitt was down. I, I don't think their starting quarterback played at all in the second half, and it went into overtime. But that's a big win, though. I mean, they're still just in year two of Heupel. Uh, I would expect they'll have a pretty good season. Like, I think they should beat Florida as well, uh, especially with it being in Knoxville. I mean, I really think that, like, it's going to be – like we've said, we hope that that game against Georgia matters when Kentucky plays them in November. But in terms of making it matter, like, that game against Tennessee is probably going to be one of the biggest games on the schedule. And, again, that will change, like – 
every game is, is so important. Like I think Stoops has said that a few times, and he's right. Like what game is more important than the other? And he's like, you got to keep winning them for them to really be important. So um, as far as the rest of the SEC, I don't know. I'm just, I mean, Kentucky finding a way to, to win this game back-to-back years. We don't have much time left here, but the one thing I did want to mention, what I, what I hope this can do is it's kind of jumpstarting a little bit more in recruiting and whether that's with the portal or with high school guys, like, um, I understand they're like not going to be recruiting portal guys right now, uh, most likely, but like winning a game like this on the road, yeah, on a hype for this game, prime time continue, spotlight, right? And it just continues to build your brand, and uh, doing that should help. I mean, it legit legitimizes your program. Um, being able to beat these, I've been thinking about DeAndre Square, dude, and some of these other guys who are in their fifth year, like they're going to leave Kentucky with a winning record against Florida. No one else, like how many other players can even like who played at Kentucky in the last 30 years, even beat Florida, like very few. And he's part of a team that like, he's going to leave college. Like he can say whatever he wants to Florida people because he was on teams, you know, that won three of them. So I'm not sure who else even falls into that category, Uh, but Good for him, and, and, and the guys now those true sophomores and retro freshmen that are two and zero. So like, over time, how many, how many quarterbacks are going to finish two and zero versus Florida? Good point too. Well, that's right, Levis. So yeah, Levis is part of that like transfer. You know, he's a transfer guy, but these freshmen redshirt like it, it. It starts to establish not like you're going to beat Florida every single year because they're not, but like no, it's not like it's a fluke anymore, and it shouldn't be like. They still need to get to that point with a few other teams. Obviously, they haven't beaten Georgia yet. That's a whole different monster compared to what you're talking about with the Florida team under the first year of a new head coach. But, like, this should give this team confidence going on the road to, to play some of these good teams in the SEC that you don't have to play your A-plus game, and you can still find a way to grind out wins. And I thought this was just a uh, a phenomenal team victory. And to shut out Florida on the road in the swamp, there were days that I – legitimately thought Kentucky may never beat this team, especially in 2017 <laughs> when they left guys wide open. And the fact that they're walking out of there with back-to-back uh, wins over the Gators is uh, stuff that for, I think for a lot of people who listen to this podcast, you could only used to dream about things like this. And Stoops has kind of made that a reality now. Oh, if, if you've been listening to this podcast, you just got to go back two years to where it was that game versus Florida in the swamp, the, the game where J.J. Weaver got hurt and you know Florida kind of ran away with it, where we were talking about that Kentucky was kind of in a spot where we knew that Eddie Graham was going to be fired, but we were questioning where the program was headed even after the success that they'd had, especially at quarterback and at wide receiver. Now you look up, you got Will Levis. You're fresh off another 10-win season. You're now going to have a chance to probably move towards the top 10 of the AP poll, and you have a two-year winning streak versus Florida. So a lot's changed just listening to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So a, a lot has changed since those days i mean kentucky's obviously gone through now two off- offense coordinators since then but two very good ones and i think that scangarello is obviously earning a reputation there through two games i thought he called a, a brilliant game tonight and uh I, I look forward to seeing where kentucky goes from here Derek. but uh, i think that pretty much wraps up everything that we're gonna get to on this post game episode we wanted to get this thing out there to you tonight a lot of excitement and uh, we'll be back this week for, for more Kentucky football coverage and uh, maybe some basketball talk as well, depending on what happens. I would say the full basketball schedule will be available very soon. We do have the SEC slate now, so we'll get to that at some point as well. But as always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. 
three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 